This is At the Edge of the Ledge, the podcast where abortion, faith, and politics collide. We talk about all things related to reproductive freedom, including the politics of abortion. We are taking our stories out of the shadows because stories drive culture. Culture drives politics. And faith affects all of it. I am Reverend Erica Forbes. I am Sonia Miller. And I am Angela Williams. We are your hosts, and we're faith leaders working for Texas Freedom Network as the Outreach and Faith Team based in Texas. Join us each week as we share stories where abortion, faith, and politics collide. On today's episode, we're sharing the origin story of Just Texas, the history of Texas Freedom Network, and our theory of change. At the end, we're introducing our segment, Are You at the Edge of the Ledge?, which is a series of rapid-fire questions that we're answering now and our guests will answer later. Well, hello, everybody. It's great to um, see you on Zoom since we're recording these on Zoom and our socially distant podcast recording. How are you today, Angela and Erica? Well, I'm fantastic. I feel really refreshed after some rest, so I am ready. Yeah, I am feeling pretty good, too. Uh, It's been a little, I'm very much feeling like I'm on the Corona coaster. There's some highs and there's some lows, but I feel kind of on a climb right now, which is a good place to be. Yeah, hopefully you won't reach the uh, summit of the climb and plunge down. Let's keep, let's hope that doesn't happen. You will uh, just glide on through. Um, Yeah. So let's start with our uh, segment, What's Good, Bad, and Best. And Angela, what do you have to say about what's good today? So what's good in my world um, is something to do with my alma mater. Um, So I did undergrad at Washington and Lee University, a small private liberal arts school in Virginia. Yes, that is Washington and Lee, as in George Washington and Robert E. Lee. Um, th- there's we're, we're in a time where there are some problems with those names. And there is a really strong movement of uh, more open-minded um, alumni that are coming together and saying, it's time to change the name. Uh, trying to drop Lee from Washington and Lee University and really putting pressure on uh, the president and board of trustees to do that. And I've had uh, not a super close relationship with the school um, since I left six years ago, Um, but it's really heartening to me to see so many folks coming together together. to say, hey, this is it's time. It's time for us to be a new place. And this is a place we love and we care about. Uh, so we want it to be better in the future um, and to stop doing harm to people, especially people of color. Um, and, and there's some nuances and it's way more complicated than I can get into right now. But it's just really encouraging to be reconnected um, and to get to know some folks who I share school with, um, who I feel like are, we are working to be on the right side of history on this. Um, so that's pretty good in my world this these days. Sonia, what's bad? <laughs> so it's I, I have been thinking about this this morning and I uh, I find a great amount of irony and 
in that irony, I would say it's bad, (laughs) that we have a whole lot of folks who are, for some reason, I cannot comprehend, not willing to wear masks in public, which is pretty much being mandated across our country at this point. I know different places have different rules, but the general consensus is if you're going out in public, wear a mask. And we've seen all over you know, social media and the traditional media uh, videos of folks who are like throwing all out two-year-old fits uh, where they refuse to put on a mask in public. And I, I don't understand it. And the irony, <laughs> the irony is a lot of those are the same folks who you will find protesting abortion rights. So there are this thing of the government cannot tell me what to do. They cannot make me wear a mask. It's infringing on my personal freedoms. And yet on the other hand, oh, please, the government needs to tell women what they can do with their uterus. I, I, I mean, same people. And uh, I have to say, yeah, that's pretty bad. <laughs> that's pretty bad. Erica, <laughs> Let's uh, lift this up with some best. What's best in your world today? Well, you know, I have to say, I was as you both were sharing, I was doing my, my silent eye rolls um, at what you guys were sharing because those things are both, both things that are on my mind. But what's really on my mind as we enter into this fall season is actually teachers. And, and in another life, I was a teacher. And I was thinking about it today when I was working out this morning trying not to think about the fact that it was early and I was working out, but I was thinking about teachers and I was thinking about how amazing and incredible they are that, that for really for, for the majority of the country, teachers are the most underpaid people we know. And yet they give in ways that are just deep, profound and, you know, there's some days I just I marvel at what they're able to do. Everything from using their own money to buy supplies to, you know, showing up and literally shielding children with their bodies from any kind of active shooter to now showing up and really in the face of what we're still dealing with in terms of a pandemic and willing to show up to school and and teach online and do all the things and wear masks and and it's just you know teachers are just I, I think if I was to say anything about what's best is their their loyalty their commitment and their willingness to do the unthinkable for our nation's children and it's like I just am in awe and while I didn't have the the nerve to continue I just, I really want to lift them up because they are the best at what they do and they are the best at making our country and our world a better place. And so just for this moment, I just want to remember and remind all of our listeners that we are who we are because some teacher impacted us. And so some way, shape or form, we should just remember that they are the best. So that's what I've been thinking about today. Thanks. That's a good September morning thing to think about. Yeah. Good. So today we're going to be talking about T 
PFN and our organization startup and how we came to develop this Just Texas and sort of driving home the need and the desire and all of the pieces around why we do the work that we do. And I want to kick it to you, Sonia, for several reasons, partly because you are the leader of this sort of movement within TFN and and you have some history. And I'd love for you to just kind of frame it up for us about how this started. And Angela and I are going to sort of dialogue with you about it. That sounds perfect. Um, I'll just start with saying that Texas Freedom Network, TFN, um, was founded in 1995 by Cecile Richards. And I love our founding story. Um, Cecile was at a State Board of Education meeting. And for you listeners who have no idea what the State Board of Education is, it is the entity in the state of Texas that uh, does several things. But most importantly, for Texas Freedom Network, the State Board of Education, or as we love to call it, the SBOE, um, they take care of setting the state curriculum and the standards for education for public schools children in Texas. And they approve what textbooks can be used in, across the schools in Texas. And a little note about that, um, it is really important what textbooks we use in Texas because Texas is huge and we buy a lot of textbooks. So textbook companies fashion their textbooks for the country to meet the needs of Texas. <laughs> Uh, and so what happens at the SBOE in terms of picking which textbooks can be uh, used is important for kids all across the country. And in 1994, our State Board of Education was looking at health textbooks and deciding which ones were going to be allowed to be used. And there was a conversation in which Cecile was sitting in the room listening about a woman carrying a briefcase. And I love to remind people several times when I tell the story, it was 1994, not 54, not 64, 1994. And they were having a problem. Some of our board members of the time were having a problem with the fact that Texas public school children were going to see pictures of women carrying a briefcase. And this was not the image of women that they wanted our Texas children to see. And Cecile, you know, if we could have memed Cecile at the time, I'm sure she would have had her, you know, palm <laughs> on her forehead. Face palm. <laughs> Face palm. Oh, my. Oh, my. <laughs> what is going on? And she scribbled a little note on a napkin that she had that said, this is so much worse than I imagined. And she left that meeting and decided to pull together her progressive we say now progressive, it would have been liberal friends in 1994 um, to her living room and have a conversation about starting an organization whose primary role in Texas would be to be the watchdogs of the religious right. And so that's that's how Texas Freedom Network got its start, uh, watching the SBOE and public education and then uh, religious freedom became a, a, a main bucket of work, and then civil liberties. And we've been organizing the religious left 
to counter the religious right since 1995. And that's pretty exciting because right now it's our 25th anniversary. Uh, we're in the year of our 25th anniversary. So that's really cool. That's that's kind of our founding story. It's so interesting to me. I mean, I just have to like riff on this for a second. 1994 and Texas didn't want women to be seen carrying a briefcase. Oh, Texas. I just love you and hate you at the same time. Why? Just why? Um, Bless your heart. Texas, bless your heart. That's what we say. Bless your heart. Right. I mean, so this sort of springboards into why we do the work and our theory of change. Um, Angela, what what comes to you around this as we're as we're you're the, our newest member to our team? Um, what's your thought about why we do the work? I just really love our catchphrase that you can hear at the beginning of every episode. Stories drive culture. Culture drives politics. And shape affects faith affects all of it. <laughs> Not shape affects all faith affects all of it. <laughs> um, because we are in the work of changing the culture. Texas Freedom Network is a public policy in a political advocacy organization, but we know that policy follows after people in the culture have already made the shift. Um, We've seen that with uh, the SCOTUS decision, um, Obergefell v. Hodges, legalizing um, LGBTQ marriage in the country. There were so many people who were already on board with it, and then there was just a big drop. Um, And So what we are doing, particularly with Just Texas, working with faith communities around the state to, in in some respects, um, they've already done this work on LGBTQ equality. They were already affirming and welcoming and inclusive and all of those fun jazz words of (laughs) wanting to affirm the LGBTQ community. And they've done that work internally, but we say, yeah, and... Texas still doesn't have a non-discrimination ordinance in the state. Um, Thank goodness we just got a SCOTUS decision um, in this uh, past Supreme Court cycle that does protect LGBTQ uh, workers, but we can still face discrimination in housing, in healthcare, um, just because of our identity. And, um, and that's really important to kind of change those policies on the local um and the state level as well as the national level. And so people of faith have strong voices um, and have power. They, we have historical power in politics, and it's important for us to use that power and our collective stories um, and all of that to talk to our elected officials and say, hey, these are the policies we want to protect the people who are in our congregations um, and to make the world a better place. Yeah. You know, I'm thinking about when we talk about stories, of course, I'm thinking about my own personal story as as a black American and reproductive justice and thinking about how the wave of culture change has been so profound, not profound. That's like an understatement, mind blowing in this last year or this last six months or these last six weeks and how as a black American seeing the culture change around the world with 
with a focus on what's happening for black Americans and how not just in in congregations but around the world that when we start looking at what is the culture what is the common culture right now and that is we're not going to deal with all of the brutality and all of the discrimination and oppression and marginalization and that not only are we not going to deal with it but we are going to focus our laws and focus our policies on traumatic and dramatic change and so more than ever now more than ever i mean i understood it intellectually when i started working for texas freedom network but now it has like in the in in my heart and in my body how important and how critical culture change and reproductive justice move policy and and so now i'm understanding in a way that is visceral that the work that we do in, at texas freedom network how much it how much it impacts and affects uh, our nation. And, and so it's, it's just amazing to me how it all intersects. And so it, it's been phenomenal to work for an organization like this and to put a podcast together where we're starting to make sure we're amplifying the voice um, that we have with the work that we do. So I, I think about our listeners, it's, it's, it's like you're not just listening to a podcast as a passive person driving in your car or doing your workout or whatever it is we all do while we're listening to podcasts. You're actually part of culture change. And, and so it's just, it's, it's nothing short of a miracle. And I don't use that word lightly. Um, so I was just thinking about that. Rev. Erica, it's fascinating to me that you... And it just came into my head of the connection that Texas Freedom Network was founded in 1994 um, and really formalized in 95. But that's the same year that those 12 women came together to create the reproductive justice framework. Yeah, and I think you're true. exactly right that we are seeing some real big shifts right now, but we wouldn't have gotten there if folks like the founding mothers of reproductive justice, people like Cecile Richards, and the many people who have been doing the work at Texas Freedom Network for 25 years had not been showing up for 25 years. Like we're finally starting to see the fruits of all of this labor. Um, and, you know, that we're in the midst of this pandemic when so many people are still like stuck at home and can finally pay attention and finally listen to the outcries of for justice um, and say, oh, yeah, I guess it is time for me to start reading and learning more about the history of this country. Um, and that we've got people who have been doing this work for decades um, who are like, yes, welcome, join us. This is how we keep going forward. Right. And I mean, well, I, I think, go ahead, Sonia. What were you going to say? I was going to say, I think that your point in that we're actually seeing the culture driving the changes, right? I mean, it's it's something we've been talking about now for a couple of years, right? It, it, it has, we live into that, story drives culture, culture drives politics, faith affects all of it. But as you pointed out, we're really actually seeing it happening when we're talking in the, in, in the reproductive justice and anti-racism work that we engage in, right? Where we're seeing policy and systems 
just beginning to make those shifts. Like we're nowhere there, (laughs) right? But you can see the fruits, like you said, the fruits of the labor, which is really um, amazing. And I want to, I want to also point out that while we talk about, we, we use the word congregations, but really when we say, we say in our tagline, uh, faith affects it all, that, that doesn't necessarily mean you're not, it's not exclusive to churches or congregations, but people of faith, whatever your faith is, whatever your deeply held belief is, it affects all of it. And so I think that it's important that we talk about that and we we call that out, that whether you are in a typical or traditional religion or not, you have we all have some faith in something. And so I think it's important that we call out that when we say faith affects it all, it's not just people that are religious or follow some predict, particular tradition. It's earth-based traditions. It's people that have faith of any kind, even if that faith is an inner faith. And so I think that's important in our work as well. Yeah, you're you're spot on. Um, and, and so I was just recently ordained in the Presbyterian Church USA um, as a pastor. It has been a long time coming. Um, but as I've gone through this journey, um, so much of my personal story is tied up with the Presbyterian Church, and like that's kind of my home faith community, and we can get kind of insular and really in the weeds and nerdy about whatever the topic of the day is. Um, but as I've got been on this ordination journey and seeing how that shifts and how people see you differently um, as an ordained faith leader versus a person of faith. Um, It's been shocking to me how important it is for us to say publicly, we affirm LGBTQ folks, to say we affirm reproductive freedom and we work for space to create space where people can share their faith story and their reproductive story. I had not been in as much relationship with folks outside of the Presbyterian Church I like I don't I don't try to go talk about it, you know, everywhere and everywhere. But the number of people um, who are not Presbyterian, who wouldn't necessarily consider themselves people of faith, who may have left a faith because it was really harmful and abusive to them, they come out and they say, "Oh my God, this is so important. I didn't know someone. I didn't know there was a pastor who would affirm this. I didn't know that there were people of faith working to create and hold space." to talk about abortion, to talk about reproductive freedom. And that is the why this work is so important. I want to, like, I'm going to do a little bit of a history lesson again. <laughs> because what you're bringing up is how we came to, or the fact that we came to at Just Texas, the creating and holding space for difficult conversations. And and. I want to just share a little bit about how we got to that as such a touchstone for how we do our work. Um, In the 2013 legislative session in Texas, there was an omnibus abortion bill up for uh, legislation HB2. And uh, it it was first in the Senate and and then it went to the House. But during that legislative session, um, it was uh, it was an amazing sight 
for those of you who were in Texas and were a part of it, it always brings back this really great um, feeling whenever I think about the 2013 legislative session and all of the people that filled the state house, thousands of people in their orange shirts, uh, there to say, we believe in women's moral agency and bodily autonomy. And the state of Texas cannot tell us what to do uh, in regards to our reproductive decisions. Um, that is the legislative session in which Wendy Davis had her infamous uh, filibuster for 13 hours and wore the peak tennis shoes and told story after story after story of women's uh, reproductive decisions and abortions. And um, unfortunately, <laughs> the state prevailed and they did pass HB2. Um, the long story to that is, fortunately, Whole Women's Health and some other plaintiffs took it all the way to the Supreme Court and they won uh, their case. So HB2 um, went into effect in only partial pieces and, and, um, it, and, and other parts were overturned. But during that 2013 legislative session, the exciting part for Texas Freedom Network was that there were uh, a whole bunch of clergy and people of faith who were part of that movement to, to say no. And as that session ended, we had a group of clergy, interfaith group of clergy that came to the Texas Freedom Network and said, hey, um, we love the fact that you help organize us every legislative session in Texas, but that's six months every two years. And we want to do something that will have an effect year round. We want to be able to work on this all the time because that's important. And we can't change the policy in Texas unless we change the culture in Texas. So this really was the birth of Just Texas, Faith Voices for Reproductive Freedom. And it uh, was a project of the Texas Freedom Network that started in 20 in the 2015 was our actual kickoff. We did some work in the 2015 legislative session. And then in the 20, I, I came in in August of 2015 and started working this project. And we founded our Reproductive Freedom Congregational designation, uh, which I think is the first of its kind. Uh, since then, four years ago, uh, some other orgs have, have uh, taken this up and we're in the process of launching a national designation and I think that's exciting. But we, uh, we launched our designation in 2016, four years ago, and um, there was a congregation that I visited to talk about this. Uh, I went the Sunday after the 2016 election to have a conversation with them about becoming a reproductive freedom congregation. And uh, the church was the first Unitarian in Dallas. And there was a whole room full of folks who showed up that day after their worship service to talk about and hear about what is a reproductive freedom congregation. And as I stood and looked at all of those folks in the room, it really hit me that, um, so much of what has happened is because we stand on different lines and we, we create this us and them, right? And um, the election really, for me personally, just really highlighted this divisiveness across 
multiple issues, but abortion certainly being one of those third rail issues that helps to put the us and them camps in their place. And I sat there looking or stood there looking at this group of people and said, really, we've got to start having conversations about these really difficult things where we create and hold the space free of shame, judgment, and stigma so we can begin to really hear each other. Um, And so that really, we'd launched our designation, but that, that presentation and that group of folks where where there was some agreement and some disagreement and there was some willingness to share and some unwillingness to share in the room really said to me, okay, our movement with reproductive freedom congregations really has to be about creating and holding this space. So we can share our story and particularly we women and people who have made difficult reproductive decisions can share those stories in places free of shame, judgment, and stigma. And that's where I started the conversation about weaving our reproductive story into our faith journey. And that, that is, um, I think, been beautiful to watch over the last four years as that light bulb comes on for folks when they hear us say that. Like, we all have a reproductive story. And we all have a faith story, as Erica, you said, Every single one of us has a faith story, whether we claim a particular uh, religion as ours or a or faith tradition as our own. We all have some sort of spiritual, we're spiritual beings. So we have that story. And so as we begin to weave those together and, and, and people just kind of, aha, you know, never having thought of that. Well, and so. to further that point, the, 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 the piece free of shame, judgment and stigma not just about our, our reproductive stories, but about any story, about anything in yes. our lives. I mean, I have used that a hundred million times in a hundred million ways. And so it starts to create this idea that, oh, that's right, we actually want to live our entire lives free of shame, judgment, and stigma. Right. That's powerful. That's powerful. And as we are going around and in the past four years, Sonia has been doing a lot of this going around, but we've got 25 congregations that are now reproductive freedom congregations. And, you know, we bring a a framework, we bring a presentation, we create and hold that space for people to have those conversations. And if you can have a conversation, a really courageous conversation about abortion and your reproductive story in a f- faith community setting, you can probably have a courageous conversation about race, about the budget, about what you really want your ministry to people experiencing homelessness to look at, about your benevolences. Like, it is, if you can have a conversation about this really taboo topic that people don't want to touch with the 10-foot pole, you can have a lot other conversations too. Absolutely. Absolutely. That kind of, I kind of want to pivot a little bit to uh, talk a little bit about how we ended up with both the podcast and our Facebook Live, you know, around obviously moving from our outreach in a real public setting to a digital platform. Um, 
Angela, I'd love for you to sort of share a little bit about how we ended up moving towards that a little bit from your perspective. Uh, you mean more than a pandemic forcing everything to be virtual forever? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's really important. I mean, the pandemic is really what um, forced this thing that was kind of always on, uh, we wanted it to happen, but it was going to be on the back burner and was going to keep getting pushed back because so many other in-person things kept coming up in front of your face and you have to deal with them. Um, but it's allowed us to have a broader reach than just building relationships one-on-one, which building relationships one-on-one is still very, very important. Uh, building relationships with faith leaders and meeting people at other events in person where we're tabling or whatever, and then getting an invitation for one of us to travel across the state. I don't know how much you know about Texas. It's a very large state, and it takes a very long time to get between <laughs> cities. Um, but but since we've all been staying home, trying to stay safe and healthy, um, the work doesn't stop, you know, in, in and especially at these times in a health crisis, reproductive freedom is at a really critical impar- like a really critical junction of yeah we're in a pandemic absolutely you need to make the choices that are right for you and your family um, to care for yourselves and there are plenty of folks who are like I just lost my job there's no way I can bring a child into this world and care for them or there's no way to uh, it, it, it's unsafe to give birth in a hospital right now like there's just so all of this the economic problems the pandemic problems all have an impact on reproductive uh our reproductive lives and the decisions we have to make um so the work can't stop (laughs) we don't get to take a sabbath and say oh well we'll we'll just wait until next year um which is kind of how we said okay the work continues and we're going digitally um, which increases our reach and allows us to get to folks. Um, there's a really awesome movement happening in some of the rural communities in East and West Texas of folks saying, hey, we care about um, reproductive freedom and we want to learn more about it. And so now everything's online and you can watch videos and get trainings on this. Um, it's made the work way more expansive. Right. I mean, I like to say pain pushes until vision pulls. So we were like pushed by pain, but now we have a vision of what we could do. So uh, we're being pulled by that. That's the perfect segue (laughs) into our rapid fire questions of are you at the edge of the ledge and we haven't no one's heard these questions before and i'm gonna um you're gonna be the first two people to give the answers to these questions because you don't you're I'm not gonna giving ask, an answer i'll give answers but you're gonna go first All right. <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna ask and then you two give your impression and i'll add mine before i ask the next question so the first question reproductive free oh you get one word or one sentence, but no more than that. Okay, oh, because I know we're all you wordy. Know, wordy. We're all those clergy people who talk forever. So you get one word, not more than one sentence. Okay, so reproductive freedom is happening. Liberation essential. What's the one thing you won't talk about with your family? <laughs> <laughs> 
sex. Pain. Trauma. What does culture change mean to you? Vulnerability. Changing the world. Ooh, what does culture change mean to be? <laughs> Sometimes asking the question makes it harder to give the answer. Um, freedom. Faith and abortion are like peanut butter and jelly. Compatible. They go together. <laughs> yeah. Faith and politics. Essential. Real. Have to go together. You have to speak out in the political realm. What keeps you motivated to do the hard work of abortion advocacy? The granddaughter that doesn't exist yet. Community. Yeah, I will say the granddaughter that I that does exist. <laughs> and the two of you. Aww. Yeah. Name the three things that make doing this work possible. Crisis. Love. My ancestors. Sonia, Rev Erica, rest. <laughs> uh, I love that. I will say um, my faith, my family, and my friends. I imagine. A world that works for everyone. Liberation from all that oppresses. Human flourishing. Mm. For all humans. Mm. Yeah. Shame, judgment, and stigma must be eradicated because... Ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> because I can't breathe with them. Yeah. Because there's no life with shame, judgment, and stigma. Yeah. How will we know when we have achieved reproductive freedom? People won't even know what that word means because it will be so obvious and so woven into our beingness. Talking about our reproductive lives will be part of our everyday conversation. People will share their faith story and their reproductive story in faith communities. And it won't be weird. <laughs> oh, there you go. A rapid, rapid fire 10 from your hosts at the edge of the ledge. <laughs> I want to challenge our listeners to make sure that they uh, grab some of those questions and ask their friends or ask them of themselves. Mm-hmm. 
we all should have answers. Yeah, I think we should post those questions this is the, on the page so people can use them. This is the next version of the 36 questions and to fall in love. <laughs> 10 questions to eradicate shame, judgment, and stigma. <laughs> Right, team, we are coming to the end of today's episode, and I think we've had some really rich conversations, kind of telling, talking about where we're coming from, how we've done the work. Um, what is something that you really want our listeners to take away uh, with them, to take with them on their journey after listening to this episode? You know, that that's a really good question, and I want to also say I don't like when people say that's a really good question, but it really is actually a really good question. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking off the top of my head, what I would love for our listeners to take away is to not keep this podcast um, a secret, to gossip mm-hmm. about this podcast, to share it with people, to make sure that they, even if they don't share it, talk about what they heard. So many times we listen to podcasts and We're like, oh, that was really great. And so we keep it all tucked away within our own selves. And I would like our podcast to be the most gossiped, talked about podcast in the world, not because we want to be popular, but because the work that we're doing, culture change work, can't happen without our listeners. It cannot, it doesn't happen with just us. It happens with them. So like, feel free to gossip about it, talk about it, talk about us, say what you don't like, what you do like, what you wish we'd do better, whatever it is, good, bad, whatever, talk about it because that's how we get the word out and that's how culture change happens, one relationship, one conversation at a time. Yeah, and and so then I would say what, what I would ask our listeners to take away from this is create and hold space for those difficult conversations. It sounds worse than it is. It's it's um, a beautiful thing when you all of a sudden realize, whoa, we're in the middle of a really awesome conversation. Yeah, some of this might be hard, um, but this feels really good. Like we're having this conversation and no one's being judged. We're not shaming each other. There's no stigma around this conversation. So like, I, I know we get asked all the time, how do we do what you all are doing? And the takeaway I would ask is you just have to jump in and do it. The only way you learn to swim in the deep end is to jump in and swim in the deep end, right? You know, you got to just jump in and do it. So that would be the takeaway. If, if you want to use the rapid fire questions as the start to have your conversation, use them. Uh, yeah. yeah. And you know what? You're not alone. You've got us. Right. So you can send right. us an email. Right. You can flag us on our social media. So you can say, hey, I just did this or I'm scared to do this or give me the energy to do this. So you're not alone. That's why we're here. Mm. Right. Yeah. Right. What's coming to me is don't make us your dirty little secret. We are not your dirty little secret podcast that you're sneaking away to listen to in headphones because you don't want someone to know that these are topics you're thinking about. Um, I know that there are lots of introverts and internal processors out there. I'm not one of those. Um, So 
I would, even as I'm listening to this now, I'm like, oh, I've got so many people I want to tell this to and like to work through it and process it. And, uh, yeah, to just start practice having, practicing, having these conversations. Um, yes, we are available. Please reach out. We are just TX at TFN.org. Um, and we can have some of these conversations with you and help you practice having conversations with other people in your lives that you might have some more, um, fear or anxiety about having that conversation. Um, yeah, this is a gift that we're offering and it's a gift to each of us. Um, if I can speak for all of us, um, (laughs) it's a gift for us to be in this room, um, zoom room (laughs) talking together, but it's a gift to share it with you, um, and to journey with all of these listeners, um, on your own journeys towards reproductive freedom and eradicating shame, judgment, and stigma. And if you're listening to this, I dare say you have the strength to talk about it. You can find us online at our website, justtx.org, or connect with us on social media at we are just. If you have a question or comment, we would love to hear from you. Our podcast email is edgeoftheledge at tfn.org, and that's ledge, L-E-G-E. And if you've listened this far, you're obviously invested, my friend, so be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. This podcast is a production of Just Texas, a project of the Texas Freedom Network. Hosted by Reverend Erica Forbes, Sonia Miller, and Reverend Angela Williams. Edited by Aria Levanti. Music by Brandon Torrio. Album cover design by Reba Ballant. And produced by Jules Mandel.